Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my together, my together. Nice personality combination. Hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Ollie, Mr. Matt Weber on the, bo- on the board. We have a snowy surprise day in Chicago. <clears throat> and then we have a shot uh, against people from Indiana from Mr. Weber. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know if you, if you heard that, Kevin. But here's, uh, I said, you know, this is this lake effect snow which hit Chicago. There's like nothing forecast. And all of a sudden we got like four or five inches all over the place this morning. So it was slow go coming in. And I said, you know, this is what people in Indiana... And, have to uh, put up with all the time, and Matt says, "Who cares about those people?" I guess that's you, Kevin. Well, yeah, yeah. I, well, I live in Michigan, so I'm, I'm Indiana, uh, Indiana. Yeah, Kevin's Kevin. That was not a shot of Kevin. He's in Michigan. He's Indiana. His, his work is in. If Indiana. you're on the Lake Effect side no, of the no, lake, Mich- you're thinking Michiana, Tom. Whatever, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. What's it? Indiana wouldn't make a lot of sense. No, it wouldn't. Uh, yeah, if you choose to live on that side of the lake, then that's that's your choice. There's a lot more Lake Effect snow. I don't care about that. We're not supposed to get it. Well, on and this and side. actually, where I live, if you go on the uh, kind of the western side of South Bend or St. Joseph County over there, they get a fair amount of Lake Lake Effect bands. Um, and and definitely, when I lived in St. Joseph, it snowed like you know every day uh, because I was right on Lake Michigan. Um, but because of the weather pattern going east to west, the lake effect does tend to reach farther in on this side. But I'm out of that by you know maybe two or three miles, so you know I, I tend to not get too much lake effect where I live. Um, but it wouldn't take me long to uh, to drive into it. Um, SP futures down 14, NASDAQ futures down 160, I mean, uh, Dow futures down 164. NASDAQ futures are actually up because Apple is, uh, popping and, uh, I was gonna ask you dudes, uh, Apple, um, well, the, the, first of all, Cook comes out, uh, and says they're feeling inflation, yet they, their margin increased to 43.5% from 41 point, point something, which means in some parts of their of their, you know supply chain, I'll use Kevin's term like maybe a China factory Yeah, I made that up, I totally uh, own it Okay, but I'm just saying <laughs> uh, but uh, th- those prices didn't go up so much and they were able to raise prices so it is startling the, the if you look down the line at the people whose margins increase and, and, and of course because everybody wants them on their TV show you can't say, "Oh, so you raised a bunch." Of, so, so you're part of the inflation that you're talking about. You're ranting and raving. Obviously, you didn't. It wasn't like your margins are going to be thirty five percent because you didn't pass anything on. You not only pass it on, you went even higher than that. How, how, how is it that nobody gets? 
ask those very simple questions. Ask them. Well, and you know that that is an interesting uh, aspect of all of this. The, you know, not everybody can pass on uh, the, their uh, supplier price increases. You know, a, a, a lot of people can. A lot of businesses can. A lot of products, uh, you know, are uh, where you can pass on, but not everybody can. And those are the ones that really get hurt badly. Um, you know, the others just say, "Well, we'll just we'll pass on." You know, eventually, you know, eventually, enough inflation throughout the economy on a sustained basis is going to catch up to just about everybody. But in in the short run, which is still where we are now with the this this real uh, hyperinflation mode that we're in uh, recently, it's yeah, this this is a pick your winner, pick your loser type of situation. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of people are hitting their uh, the price elasticities, and they and they just aren't able to sell product. There's you know, and the example that I would use more than anything else is steak. You know, there's substitutes, but there aren't a lot of people buying twenty dollar a pound uh, ribeyes right now. No, no, it's uh the uh, well, oh, I sure as hell don't want to go into a since it's been so long. I actually took a. Uh, of course, someplace on the theory of price, price theory, and uh, it's it's actually pretty fascinating. And um, you know, if I actually became a, a, a worldwide correspondent or national correspondent, I might be the one person who actually would bone up on my economic terms before I'd use them. You know, I got national TV. Not that I don't for our show, I do. But uh, I mean, the idea, the questions people ask. Just, just show you have. It'd be like me going and asking questions about like women's clothing or something. You know, I mean, it, you just tell the people who are asking the questions have no idea what they're talking about, and uh, and you wonder why. You know, how, you know, I understand they're taking journalism and not economics, and, and and that's not the worst part of it. The worst part of that isn't that then the questions are uh, are weaker than they ought to be, but there's there's no ability to follow up. There's right. no ability to dig deeper into the subject, and that's what really gets lost in there. Well, I mean, because what you do is, is people will always assume that you're going to maximize your revenue when you price stuff. All right, so in, in the people who have pricing power simply means, uh, one example I think people could probably understand is, is OPEC in uh, 1973 versus OPEC today. And I'm going to say in '73, Kevin, you know, help me with these numbers. They they were 35 percent of the world market, something like that, maybe 40. They got pretty high there for a while, didn't they? Uh, yeah. Um, so what did I in '73 and four? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, uh, yes, um, I remember that. <laughs> the uh, you know the one thing I never did try, I never had the stones to try. The girls on the uh, first stop softball team that Dr. J and I were coaching. God, what a great great group that was! Those girls were wild. They, they did they did those upside down margaritas. You ever do those things? No, never. Never uh, can say I have. Uh, you, you sit in the back. You're back to the bar. Of course, they were all flexible, not like we were. You know, they drop their head back on the bar, and they and two guys pour the the fixings of the margarita like right in their mouth. Then they like shake their head right. and then swallow it. <laughs> <laughs> so. The new, new, a new uh, angle on shaking, not stirred. Huh? Yeah, with the, the upside down margarita. They go, go ahead, try it. No, I don't want to be. That's one. Be, yeah, you only a girl should be doing that. That's, well, plus you don't want a bunch of dudes doing that. No, plus if, if the thought of the girl just doing it and you spitting it all over the bar would, would not be good. <laughs> but they were, they were good at it. I just, you know, I don't. 
Anyway. But we digress. <laughs> we, do, we digress just there. But the, the whole point is, at that time, they could say, we're raising our price. Okay, say we raise it from, at that time it was like 12 bucks a barrel. We raised it to 15. Or, 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 let's say, let's say it was 10 bucks, they raised it to 15. So they raised it 50%. Well, they're, they're, the amount they sold probably went down, say, 25%. So they're, they're 25% to the good, right? Actually having delivering less stuff. So that's, that's what, that's what the definition of pricing power is. Now I don't think they have that pricing power. Now I think if they, Cut back on production to the point where they drive the price of oil up ten percent. I think I think they end up uh, selling way more than ten percent less. I don't think they have anywhere near the power now that they hit back in nineteen seventy three. They might no, sell- they don't because there are so many other oil right. producers uh, other than OPEC. It, it, very notably, Russia, um, which you know is is at the forefront of the news right now. And you know, to me, if if uh, if the Biden administration really wanted to squeeze Russia, they would say, you know, let's re- let's reverse course on uh, on oil drilling in the U.S. and, and offshore on uh, U.S. Um, in U.S. waters, and let's just flood the market with oil because uh, you know they're they're so so dependent on uh, oil revenue for uh, the Russian economy that if you really wanted to do damage, you don't have to you don't have to have a military confrontation. You just screw them on the oil prices. Well, it's what I'm, I'm sort of curious. I mean, I, you know, the, the the creatures from the right. I mean, not like you. Uh, you know, I mean, if I if I hear one more time about this, uh, what's the, the pipeline XL that had had nothing to do with American oil, nothing to do with American oil whatsoever. Uh, well, it, it 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 had to do with the with the flow of oil into the United States. It had to do with North America. Had to do from Canadian tar sands oil, which we don't want anywhere here. Going to New Orleans for a couple of refineries that uh, are set up for that because they used to do Venezuelan oil, which is just as lousy, and uh, sending it overseas. I mean, a little bit might have dropped into the gas tank here, but not very much. But we were getting most of our increased oil was coming from the Permian, Permian and the back. And what, what exactly, if anything, has this administration done to stop production in the Permian? I don't. I can't think of anything. Um, Can you? No, no new uh, leases on. Um uh, federal land, federal, uh, federally controlled land, and, uh, and, and a big slowdown on approving, uh, drilling anywhere else. But I'm saying any, that most of it, wells. but most uh, of it was and, in that area. And, and a lot of the offshore, and, you know, there, there's just, there, there's a ton that they've done. We, we have, uh, our oil production is back, you know, like, uh, God, I forget how many years it is now, but, um, you know, we we were a net uh, a net exporter a couple of years ago, and now we're back to being a net importer. Well, but we had we had like I say, those areas were the ones that were doing the most, and we, we didn't we didn't affect those areas. I don't think. But there's no ban on oil in the Permian or the Bakken. Well, no, there's there's no ban on on privately held lines, but you still have to uh, um, you know get environmental approvals for for drilling. But what I'm saying is that. Those areas when they used to give the uh, the rig count when oil was, you know, it was like seventy bucks, then it went back down to where did it get down to like thirty or something or twenty eight. All the guys on TV were talking about how the the rig count in those areas kept dropping because you couldn't make money at thirty bucks. Well, now we're back up to eighty. I don't I don't see or hear anything about the rig counts in those areas going back up. Is there? The people don't believe it's going to stay here, or, or, or they're just happy with it here, with the amount no, they I, have. I think they're they're being uh, 
they're, they're making it more difficult for people to get uh, new wells started. Now, you're right, and, and I really think that that, you know, for quite a few years as things were growing up, especially, you know, you, you also talk, you have to come up north to, like, North Dakota, uh, which, which was a big oil producing state. Yeah, it was a bargain. It still is a big oil producing state now. Um, and Pennsylvania and Ohio to a large degree. And, uh, it, and by the way, you know, same thing applies to natural gas drilling. So, you know, that's a, that's a piece of the energy picture as well. And uh, so you can, uh, you know, you can do a lot to slow that down without trying. I, I do think there was this ongoing cat and mouse game, especially out of the Middle Eastern oil producing companies, where you know when when U.S. production was getting too much of a toehold, uh, then they would lower the prices a lot because uh, if you have wells that have been in the ground for twenty years. Uh, you know, those are fully depreciated and off your books, whereas if you have to, uh, if you need to drill anything new, um, you want to, you know, you may want to see a payback in short order, and therefore, uh, at a very low price, you're not going to get the payback period that you want. I, I do, you know, I've, I've talked before about infinite game thinking. Uh, you know, if if you really want to be smart about it, you know, if it, if it makes sense to pull that oil out, uh, you know, there, there's a there's a, a price you can do it at a lesser price level if you don't get paid back for three years instead of 18 months um, it, it still should be a smart move to uh, to go ahead and, and and create the wells but not every CFO thinks that way Kevin somebody somebody must be somebody's and that's somebody somebody must be thinking that the long term or something uh, prospects are uh, are not there because I mean, uh, two two things. One is, um, what the, some one of the listeners again, Kevin or Kevin, well, you were with me. When we started when we first started the show. Uh, they were doing everybody's going crazy on this uh, fracking, right? Matter of fact, there were all kinds of people who were going to come into Southern Illinois and North Northeast Ohio and Pennsylvania and all this stuff. And there actually was a. Man, do you remember this? Somebody sent us. It was like a. What do you call it? It's not a video. It's kind of an interactive map where the, 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 if you turn it on, the map changes and it tells you all where the growth is, and then the next it shows you the shrinkage. Well, this map, I don't know. It I shrinks? Well, the, no. The, well, anyway, <laughs> what it did was it had a whole map of Illinois all the way to Pennsylvania and even further, uh, maybe even upstate New York, and it showed the amount of uh, fracking leases and people that were starting the fracking. This had to be, where are we, 2022? I'm saying this is... 2016 or something, and the amount of fracking that was was starting to go on. I remember in Illinois, there were all kinds of you know widening bridges for the trucks, all kinds of crap, and how the price of oil went down, how they all just shrunk back down. And they, it was like a couple of counties in Illinois that had you know I don't know how many fracking leases, and then they're like all gone. But the weird part is now the price of oil is natural gas, maybe not, is at least as high as it was back then. You don't see any of that. Is that just people thinking, I don't want to be in the oil business 10 years now or something? And also we had a we uh, show, anyway, there was this lady who would come to Chicago in the summertime, and years and years ago, uh, she was a nurse, and she used to listen to Dr. J. Anyway, she followed us on to, she's probably dead by now, but she followed us on to Stocks and Jacks on the podcast, and her her husband, and uh, they were with a few families. If you ever drive through Pennsylvania, the first thing that comes into your mind is, who the hell owns all this? You know, you'll see a little, a little, uh, well, a little, you'll see a town, 
with a steel mill stuck by a river, and the rest of it's just mountains covered by trees. And you sit there and go, it's the government on this? The people? Anyway, this group of guys own this one mountain, and uh, and they had a you know, your basic deer cottage up there, and she would say it was like testosterone heaven when the 14-year-old would go out and shoot his first deer or something. The guys would hang there on a the weekend and go blasting stuff. and Anyway, but they, they own the property, and some company came by and said, you guys got natural gas and some oil here. We want to lease it. So they gave them like, I don't know, half a million bucks just to start. And they had this this uh, contract where they were going to get X, and they were going to build a road up on the mountain, which they did, which cost them like two million bucks. And the deal said that they, when they left, they had to replace the road to where it looked just like there was no road ever there. And they put the you could put the pipes on top of property now, so they paid all those people. And finally, after two or three years. They had to start because if they didn't start after three years, they get to sell it to somebody else. So they started doing something, and all of a sudden the price of gas went down, and they said, "Screw it!" and they abandoned the area. I don't, I mean, I don't think she's even alive, but if she was, I'll, I'll bet they're not back there again, Kevin. I, somehow or another, there's no fervor this time. I think people think it's a short-term deal, and they're. And by the way, we love the prices here. Let's just ride it out. There, there's something, something here that's a lot different than just government doing what you're saying they're doing. Well. I, but but they do know that there's th- you know three more years of uh, uh, there, that there will be obstruction to what they want to do for three more years at least, and then then if uh, you know then we'll see you know what the what the political situation looks like. But it's like everything else, you know, politics is a big part of economic decisions that people make, especially large corporations. So um, you know we we, we just got to see how it plays out. Um, well, there should be a fervor. You know, whether you know whether it's oil and natural gas, fossil fuels are still going to be part, you know, a big part of our energy equation for a long time. Um, and and I know that there are uh, you know people who want to make that change and think it can happen. But you know, where do you think you get electricity? <laughs> well, we got a, we got a buffoon in the in the governor's mansion in California yesterday that basically, you know, is, is blaming every storm, every fire on. And you using uh, you know oil in your in your lawnmower? I mean, really? I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's I, I think that it's not a good idea to to do do stuff where you screw the oceans up and all that kind of stuff. And I'd like to see everybody cut back. I'm right on that. I'm on that that uh, group. But uh, the idea that you can you can point to a storm and say we caused that storm, really? I mean, there were storms here long before there were people. Just saying. Well, yeah, what you do is you run into a lot of absolutism instead of, uh, you know, in- incrementalism. And, and by that I mean you could, you could accomplish a whole lot, uh, by moving, uh, you know, away from gasoline and more to natural, uh, you know, to, um, uh, CNG, uh, you know, to, to natural gas solutions because you get a cleaner burn and you, you know, in, and it's, you know, it's better for the environment. But you, you got a lot of people that just don't they don't want to hear it. Uh, you know that that everything is all about you know cleaner is not good enough. Um, it, it has to be uh, it has to be absolutely clean. And you know on the other hand, uh, um, you know solar it doesn't do you any good at, uh, when the sun's not out. <laughs> so yeah. you know half of the day you can't produce energy using solar, and it's hard to store it's hard to store electricity. Uh, and uh, damn hard to store electricity, and and so you you have that problem, and you know wind has its own environmental problems, uh, and and you're starting to see the environmental lobby move away from uh, wind a little bit, and so you know I don't know how it's going to uh, uh, how fossil fuels are going to.
equation, and yet you've got a lot of zealotry that says we need fossil fuels to not be part of the equation. Is they hop on their plane? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's some hypocrisy in that as well. You know, it was like John Kerry, you know, who basically said, yeah, I, I have to fly private jets because, I'm, I, you know, someone in my position is just too important to have to, uh, uh, you know, deal with airports. Or as they say in the South Side, too. extra time, my yeah. time's too valuable for that. As they say in the South Side, too impotent. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you, you sort of, I was surprised that, uh, I mean, I don't necessarily keep an eye on it, but <clears throat> the world population is up to six billion. You know, even last year with the COVID, we went up like seventy-one million people. What the hell? People are still doing something. In the U.S., we're, we're, we're not even growing at all. So, yeah, if, if, saying, but they're not going to work. No. Uh, how come we're not getting the same? Uh, yeah, he's a young guy. He should know about this stuff. How come uh, when the, when the lights went out in New York? Uh, for three days, the uh, the movie came out. Where were you when the lights went out? Nine months later, there was a, a massive increase in the amount of babies. How come this this hasn't caused that, man? Doing my part. You are, yeah. yeah. Well, you guys run. What have you guys? What By the way, you, guys Matt, do? you know, when I, I don't know if we have to run the break right now or if uh, we come back, but I do have to make sure that you're aware of the first important lifelong lesson that you're going to learn after the baby comes. I would be very interested in learning that. Let's take a break and let's uh, let's do it. I'm not so sure it's just one. <laughs> that's well, no, it's just the first one you learn. That's maybe it's out 32 days. If it's out 46, be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. 
but I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. Hello, and welcome back, Stocks and Jocks. Tomorrow, this is my web on the board. We thought this made. I gotta, I gotta give everybody a, a piece of this uh, uh, email he's got from our our friend, the beloved Angelica. She's, she's learning how to drive. I'm going for a test soon. Not so sure I want to be on the streets that day. Uh, but she thinks she has a guest for us, a guy who was forced to work for the Russian FSB, where that is, uh, and knows all about what's going on over there, but she's not sure he speaks English. Well, that would be a prerequisite for this show. We'd have to have him out with Luke. Hey, come on and translate. Well, Luke could translate. Yeah. So um, I guess as long as, yeah, she, if she can translate, that'd be fine. I mean, some of it's you and me, I think we, uh, it would be interesting. I don't think either one of us have a have a clue. Anyway, the futures down thirty one seventy five. The futures down fifty six. They were up last night. Apple came out with good earnings. Apple's up forty nine to trade to one sixty four seventeen, which is really pretty good because uh, biggest holdings at every place I'm I'm, I'm at I do business with uh, has got to be Apple. It is not a stock, Kevin. It's an absolute religion. It's worse than Cisco and Oracle and those guys were in 2000. It is an absolute religion. Uh, I don't think you should ever confuse religion with stock ownership, but that would just be me. Uh, Dow Futures down 300. That's with Apple being up 499. Because you got Caterpillar down 385. Uh, Chevron down 458. Got Dow down 117. Goldman Sachs down every other stock in the Dow. Um, well, except for, except for Visa, which is up 725. Those are the only two that are up. Everything else is down in the Dow. Over in Asia. Nikkei, which has been down all week, like a bunch, is up 547. That's 2%. Seems like a real lot, but I don't think it gets them even for the week. But still, it's a big move today. Uh, Shanghai down 32. That's a full percent. Hang Seng down 256. Uh, that's uh, over 1% as well, 1.1%. So mixed bag over there. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the Dex down 316. That's 2%. FTSE down 92. That's 1.2%. Kekaran down 152. Uh, you know, this is a, they had a big week up and down all over the darn place. Now it looks like they're ending up on the down, a serious down note. Yesterday, Dow was down 7, S&P down 23, NASDAQ down 189. Again, we were up and down pretty much all day. Uh, Bonds up 3 basis points to 1.84 after being down yesterday, the 10-year. The Bund 
positive 4 to negative point zero one. Are we going to try and make it over uh, zero again and stay there? We'll see. Japan positive point one seven. So interest rates are on the rise everywhere this morning. Oil up sixty one cents eighty seven sixteen. Brent up sixty six ninety bucks. Natural gas up sixteen cents four forty four. Way away from the below four dollar number it was earlier in the week. Arbob up two cents two fifty four. That gold still can't get anywhere. It's under eighteen hundred seventeen eighty eight down six sixty. Silver down eleven cents twenty two fifty six. Copper down six cents four thirty five. This is a lot because the dollar had a huge run yesterday, uh, which is uh, causing that to happen. Bitcoin up four oh seven at thirty six thousand three oh one. Matty, all kinds of stuff there. What do you got for us, traffic weather sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. This uh, surprise snowstorm, lake effect snow, whatever you want to call it, is causing havoc on the area of expressways this morning, especially on the tri-state, both on the south and north sides of the area. We have uh, crashes. Uh, I'll start down south. The tri-state southbound at I-57. There's an accident that's uh, on the exit ramp there. And so folks are having to navigate around that. And then uh, way up north, if I can find it. Oh, actually, it looks like that one is uh, now clear because it's no longer on the screen. Well, way so. up north, are we talking about Michigan or are we talking about... No, uh, we did, We had a, tri- a tri-state crash oh. uh, up in the northern suburbs as well. But apparently that one's been cleared, so good news there. No other accidents uh, on the expressways, but heavy travel times already building on the Edens and Kennedy and then certainly on the uh, Eisenhower and Stevenson. Dan Ryan, I-57, and the Bishop Ford still looking good, so they must not have as much snow down there. Or they have better plows going through. Lakeshore Drive is quiet as well. Well, suburban tollways are all quiet, but all kinds of little spin-outs and uh, uh, minor crashes on the side streets uh, this morning. So give yourself plenty of time if you're heading out. We are in a winter storm advisory. Uh, it looks like it will remain in effect until noon today, causing dangerous travel conditions and intense lake effect snow. Snowfall rates of 1 to 2 inches per hour will lead to total snow accumulations of 4 and eight inches, uh, depending upon where you are in the area, especially over southeastern lake and northern Cook counties. Um, so yeah, anywhere from four to eight inches as we're going to keep. It looks like we have about three or four inches down already, and then that'll keep going until uh, about noon this morning. So uh, give yourself uh, plenty of time if you're heading out, as I mentioned. Uh, for temperatures today, we'll reach a high of 25, and then this afternoon we should have some sunshine after we get done with all this snow this morning. Right now it is snowing and 24 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 72. Right now it's clear and 53. In sports, quiet night last night. Bulls and Suns were both off. Bulls are at the Spurs tonight at 7.30. Suns host the Timberwolves tonight. That's a 7 p.m. tip-off Arizona time. In hockey, the Blackhawks are back home tonight. They'll host the Avalanche at 7.30. Coyotes were off last night as well. They'll welcome the Boston Bruins into town. That's a 7 p.m. Arizona time puck drop from Phoenix. Lastly, college hoops. It was a low-scoring defensive battle, but Loyola won on the road down at Southern Illinois, 44-39. Chief. I watched that game. Loyola had scored 22 points with like 15 minutes to go in the second half. I'm thinking, what are these guys doing? Yeah, and then lastly, I figured we would talk about it briefly with Kevin, but uh, the Bears, of course, it broke early yesterday morning that uh, they've, they've found their new coach, uh, Matt Eberflus, the uh, defensive coordinator for the Colts the last uh, four seasons, uh, will be the head coach, and I think they're going to announce that today, um, officially. But uh, he was one of the final three finalists that we uh, talked about yesterday, 
and uh, but he was the lesser known and the one with uh, no head coaching experience. And Ryan Poles decided to go with him. So he, there's your new coach. And he went for the twenty grand a year they offered him. I don't know what his salary is. I assume it's a little higher than that. Uh, you think it's probably the lowest in the NFL? He, he just chose him because Eberflus is so much fun to say. Yeah. Well, I like that they went from Ryan and Matt to Ryan and Matt. Yeah. Pace and Nagy to... That is kind of frightening. You know, hey, it's just the Ryan and Matt redo. You're bound to get, you know, uh, one of them's bound to be good. Right, you would think so. So, uh... You, know, you, you, you can't go Ryan and Matt and suck every single time. I, I'm, you know, with the Bears, you really do have to count on blind squirrel theory kicking in for you. Yeah. Well, the, uh, I, I don't get the part where, well... Anybody who doesn't think that I know when I it's, I sound like a cynical creep when I say the reason why you do this is to just turn the the, the news from negative to positive. We got our new guy. We got to give him two or three years. Imagine what the news would have been the last four weeks regarding the Bears, just in level and in tone, if they didn't do this. You know, does anybody really think that there's that this guy, you know, that Matt Nagy doesn't know how to coach, or the guy before him didn't know how to coach, or I mean, obviously some are better than others, but yes, but the idea. Well, I mean, it, it could be, but I mean, there's people that have had success other places. I mean, I mean, that's what I'm saying is, is, uh, you don't get to that level where there's only 30 of you in the world and to, to, to not know what you're doing. I mean, I know some are better than others. I get that part, but. Well, it, there's, there's a, there's different kinds of knowing what you're doing too and different roles that are involved here. So when, when you talk about, uh, you know, about being a head coach in a professional sports league, what you're really talking about is being a really effective leader. It's one thing to be a good tactician, which is, you know, part of the skill of being an, a coordinator or a position coach. Even um, you're, you're teaching technical skills, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can you can get up in front of a whole team and say this is you know this is what we're going to become and implementing it and making sure that everybody's on board moving along with it there's so much uh, more managing the egos uh, you know just uh, uh, dealing with all, you know all kinds of you know crazy situations people's personal situations that crop up or you know so much more of that uh, that comes into play and it's it's you know, it's like taking in the business world. It's like taking a supervisor and saying, "Now, now you're a, a vice president." Um, you know, it, it that can work. It, it does work a lot, and it it doesn't work a lot too because not everybody is cut out for that. And I, and I think you know, sports many you know many people who make these hiring decisions don't really have their own fully formed concepts of what good leadership is, so they don't know how to uh, evaluate it in others. Well, I, I also think if you were to, um, you know, if Lou were here, he, he certainly could help us, but the, uh, I don't know, the, the older I get, the more I, I see things I didn't used to see. There, there are so many things affecting a professional football team, baseball team, more football than baseball, but you see it in baseball as well. As the year goes on and everybody's sort of banged up, if you don't think that your team has a chance you don't want to. I mean, there's some people who, you know, I, you know, it's their teammates. They'll play anyway. There's, there's some people like that, but it, it's not like, you know, you and I and Maddie. If if we got to drag ourselves with a 104 fever, we're going to make the softball game because we really love it. Those are our pals. We'd expect them to do that for us, and it, it, it's a whole different program when it's when it's your profession, and all of a sudden they want you to play hurt. I mean, wh- why do you think this is one man's opinion? 
Why do you think the teams that had no chance to go to the Super Bowl essentially tanked on Wild Card Weekend? They they don't get paid. For those of you who don't know, if you uh, well now I guess it's seventeen weeks. If you make a million seven in the, in the NFL, you get a hundred thousand dollar check every week, right? Isn't that the way it works, Matty? And uh, yeah, that's right. So if you go into the Wild Card Weekend, now, I think they get their checks. Beginning in the preseason and, and going throughout, mm, so. I don't think they. I think they yeah, get paid. But they, they stick with the theory. Yeah, yeah. Theoret- you know what you're what you're really saying is they get paid over the course of. The I think everybody gets the same regular football season. Yeah, I, I think everybody gets the same check in, in training camp. We'll have to ask Lou that. Yeah, that could be. Uh, so now fast forward to the wild card weekend. Those guys who lose that weekend, maybe you can look this up. I'll bet. I'll bet they get five thousand to ten thousand for that that game for losing it. So if you don't think your your pay is dramatically decreased for everyone, well, for of those these... that are motivated by the money, Tom. But athletes are in, the the now some athletes are totally motivated by the money, but for the most part, they are playing professional uh, sports because they're so incredibly competitive that I don't think the paycheck is going to drive a lot of what they do. What, what, what um, point is, you know, it, 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 it may piss them off if they're not, if they don't feel like they're getting paid enough that you, where, you know, you see people who, um, you know, get into, um, salary disputes with management and it, and it carries onto the field because money, money can be a big dissatisfier in terms of how people approach their work. But once that's settled, it's really the fact that they're just incredibly competitive people and i don't think most of them feel like they need a a reason to win or that they you know that uh you know that i'm going to play i'm not going to play uh as hard because i'm only getting paid ten thousand bucks if you combine so here's here's where you're right in certain instances and you're wrong in certain instances so the league minimum which is what what 90 percent of the guys make is in football? Yeah, I, I think a lot. I, it's uh, not like basketball. Seven, no, Packers have five guys pay have more than fifty percent of their cap. Yeah, so I think I would say maybe call it seventy five percent of the guys make the league minimum. Maybe it's I think it's maybe higher than that. But uh, and I'm not talking about signing bonuses. I'm talking about you know this is your salary six hundred sixty k. So that's thirty eight thousand eight hundred bucks a week if you do it just if you just divide it by the seventeen weeks like you were doing. Uh, the the payoff playout. Uh, the playoff payout uh, uh, in 2022, division winners playing in the wild card game get 42500 So that's a $4,000 raise from the league minimum that week. But it's it's chump change if you're a $100 million guy, but there's, yeah. only, there's only like 10 of those. Um, so, uh, and then uh, the non-division winning wild card guys get thirty seven five. So that's that's the, the wild card weekend. Divisional, everyone gets forty two five. Conference championship, which is this week, everyone gets sixty five thousand. And then the Super Bowl, the winning team gets one hundred and fifty thousand. The losing team gets seventy five thousand. So you stand to make another, you know, whatever eighty, one hundred and twenty, uh, two hundred, another three hundred fifty thousand bucks if you win it all. Um, and then obviously less than that, depending upon how far you go. Okay, uh, but, but but throw also the injury aspect in there. Those are those are tremendously. Uh, I don't boy, I don't know where you're getting these numbers. Even they, they even get. I'm getting Mar- them from the. Well, I'm saying NFL Mar- website. I'm saying Mario Edwards makes three million. Right. Well, th- uh, Mario Edwards is a veteran player that's played a long time. Jeremiah Tachu is two point. I don't see the, the Bears are way down the list before you get to 680. 
Well, the league minimum is six sixty. I that's I don't know if if what you're looking at is factoring in signing bonuses as well and all okay. of that, which it could be. Either way, point being, if, even if you're making a million, um, as opposed to six sixty or two million, uh, forty two thousand five hundred, which is your your weekly payoff playoff check, is close. To uh, it's not chump change is what I'm saying. You're right. You're, now, okay, now if you're making you know twenty million or thirty million, then it probably is. It doesn't diminish your point at all. But I'm saying for the the vast majority of players, it's a big deal. It's another week of making the same or more than what you were. All, all I'm saying is if you're a coach on a team that is having a bad season, this kid Robinson, without knowing him, meeting him, let's just listen to Tom Thayer. If he's playing for the Rams, he was playing the last five weeks. Oh, I don't. I completely agree with that. You see it all the time. I mean, it's it's common sense to me. If uh, if I'm banged up and but we have a chance to make the playoffs, I'm going to be out there. If I'm banged up and I'm in a contract year, and I don't want a further injury, knowing that you know I'm trying to to uh, you know keep my career going, like an Akeem Nicks or something like that, I'm sitting. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot more. Yeah, so there's business decisions to be made. My point was this: when it comes when it comes to talking about them being leaders, I'm going to use Joe Madden as the perfect example. How much did Joe Madden get criticized for? Well, how he used the bullpen, you know, some of his tactics along the way. But what you know, what was his real strength with the Cubs? He kept that team motivated. Oh yeah, you know, game after game after game. Uh, he, he took a lot of criticism for how he managed his bullpen, his pitching staff in the World Series. But by the same token, he also had a team that got down 3-1 to one in the World Series and stayed focused and didn't roll over. You know, Madden's strength was as a motivator. It, it, you know, until it wasn't, until his shtick got a little old and, uh, uh, you know, and, and started to get lost on, the, on some of the players, and then it was time to move on. But it wasn't that he was such a, a a competent tactician it was that you know he he could he could he could keep the egos focused and on the same page phil jackson is is another great example of that nobody you know phil jackson's uh, all the technical stuff all the tactical stuff was uh was done by his assistants but what jackson was really good at was managing egos he mean whether it was a team that had jordan pippen and, and rodman on there and somehow you know getting that focused and, and aimed at a championship or whether it was you know kobe uh, you know kobe bryant and uh, and, and and finding ways to get him to coexist for a while with uh, uh, shaquille o'neal you know on and on that's the skill of being a professional uh, man, you know, professional sports manager or uh, uh, or head coach. College is different, and it's why it doesn't translate so as much because college athletes tend to be more. They fall in line, um, you know, and, and 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 settle for taking orders, and you can yell at them and things like that. But once people get to be grown men, and they're and you know, they have to be led a whole different way. The organization. That's, that's what's going to determine. That's and that's where I think Matt Nagy fell down. Well, see, I think that right. uh, you're. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with anything you say, except the part that I, I don't think it starts with the coach. I think it starts with the ownership and this general manager because the general manager has to let the players know that there's a problem. The players going and not the coach. And and some. Oh, are, it, it, it's it, it. It is whole organization. Yeah. Now I'm sounding. Very Jerry Krause, but you know, because uh, organizations do win. It, it, that has a lot to do with it. Obviously, uh, the hands-on leadership is 
is what I'm talking about. But yeah, it, it has to go all the way through the whole organization, mm-hmm. and that's where the bears fall down. Plus, you have to. Hey, yeah. uh, there, there's there's a couple of things. Uh, if if you don't mind me shifting gears here, I was going to shift gears as well. Where I promised you Matt Sage wisdom. Yes. Um, so uh, so Matt, the lesson you're going to learn real quickly is it all washes off. <laughs> That that little creature is going to pee on you, poop on you, spit up on you, throw up on you, and for a little while you're going to get grossed out by that. But it's not going to take you very long before you go, okay, to throw the shirt in the in the laundry and uh, wash your face and hands. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it all washes off, and that is a lesson that not only will help you when you're dealing with an infant, but it will affect your whole life because soon you're going to find all kinds of things that grossed you out you just say ah shit just washes off <laughs> <laughs> that's really good advice there you go. so he's going to make sure the washing machine keeps Cause working because I'm not great at yeah. that cur- I'm not great at handling that currently and I know it's coming you will it <laughs> won't ta- and it won't take long I remember gagging on the first diaper change <laughs> and it won't take you long and you're like, okay so what I think <laughs> it I, washes I, off I think I would dodge that as far as I could, but I guess you can't dodge it too far. Just uh... Although I did, you know, so, uh, the, the other thing is, you guys have brought up a couple of times this week, Tom, you said, well, yeah, Notre Dame's got this guy uh, on their basketball team that, um, you know, looks like he's going to be a first-round draft pick. I don't think, his name is Blake Wesley, and I don't think he's going to go uh, to the NBA this year. Um, he is, He's he's got like 15 games in a row in double figures. Um, and and uh, and he's very good. Wesley is he's 15 points a game on the season, uh, but in the conference season he's at 17 a game. Uh, but his shooting percentages are a little low still, and uh, and his outside shot is inconsistent. And I think when you're a guard, um, it, you know an inconsistent outside shot is not going to fly in the NBA. So I think he needs to work on it a lot. But he's really fun to watch. He's very dynamic. Uh, you know, uh, incredibly good athlete. And uh, uh, occasionally can take over a game, uh, but more than anything else, what he does for this team is he can get to the basket, and other and they don't have a lot of guys who can who can just go create their own shot. Think of him as um, uh, Purdue's Jaden Ivey a year ago. Uh, Jaden Ivey is probably ready to go be a first round draft pick this year. Um, he was just a really hot hot stuff prospect last year with Purdue who had some brilliant games, but he was kind of up and down. And think of Blake Wesley as the same thing. Well, I was watching. So if you watch the Irish at uh, 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central on, uh, against Virginia on uh, Saturday, you know, uh, pay attention to Blake Wesley. He's a really, he's a really interesting, really fun player. He's and a so- local South Bend kid. Well, I don't have a, a, uh, a dog in the fight. Not that Notre Dame's my dog or anything like that, but uh, watching Loyola last night was was interesting because they they had like I said they had 22 points with 15 minutes left to go in the game and they were many were they were they one for 15 from the three point line but every single play still they had, they had nowhere to turn there was there was no way you see guys passing up free throws I mean uh, where they were open there which would have been my shot in my day uh, couldn't wait to throw it back out to the corner and the guy'd miss again. I mean, I you know, is, they, they, is there no backup for this three point phobia these guys have? And somebody seems well. Make- you know what? Uh, I, I, uh, maybe uh, at least from the Chicago point of view, maybe Demar Derozan is going to make the uh, mid range game uh, uh, cool again. 
Yeah, well, you know what I, what I, what I forgot was, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Clyde Frazier was, uh, was a Saluki. I didn't remember. I, I'd forgotten that. I mentioned that last night on the show. They were full last night in Southern Illinois. The place was full. Really? And, uh, and they, you know, they, it was a very hard fought game. I mean, that, that conference, those guys play hard. And they the guy had a list of, uh, this is the, what, the Missouri, Missouri Valley Conference, many? They had a, uh, list of all the games this year. And something like 80% of the games have been, has been decided by like less than five points or something. It's always been a good basketball league. And it's usually a one bid league as far as the NCAA tournament. But they've had years before teams started fleeing that league where they would get two or three teams in. No football at all? No football. Uh, well, actually, I take that back. There's some like one double A football, wherever they call that now, FCS. Um, I think there's a lot of that. Like, I think Southern Illinois has a, a team, and but not all the schools have football. Not all of them do. Hey, yeah. Kevin, you got a couple so, minutes. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned you mentioned the crowds too because I was at the uh, Notre Dame North Carolina State game on Wednesday night. Sub zero temperature, uh, sub zero wind chills, and uh, and a nine o'clock start. I mean, the the crowd was sparse except the students. The students who you know who have all the sections on the end behind the. Uh, uh, what is the uh, where the where the visitors shoot free throws in the second half? That was full, um, and, and then the rest of the crowd was very sparse. You know, just uh, you know, a scattered group, maybe you know, maybe another couple thousand people. Very strange. Now the next couple of games we have, uh, you know, Virginia on Saturday night, and then Duke on Monday night, and then they have to go to Miami on Wednesday. So, so this is going to be a tough stretch for them. They've won like nine out of ten, and and they could easily lose the next three. But they could also, you know, if they win two out of three, they'll be in great shape. Kevin, anyway, the Duke game is going to be the one that's weird because that was originally scheduled for New Year's Day when the students right. were not going to be there. Um, and all those tickets got sold. All those st- students' tickets got sold. Um, and so those are all still good for the makeup. They had to cancel because Duke uh, had a COVID issue, and so they had to cancel. It's rescheduled for Monday night. Students are back at uh, on campus and have been for a couple of weeks. And and yet, I don't know if they're going to get any students into the game in any quantity because uh, because all of the uh, all of the tickets were sold to That's other weird. people. It's really weird. Uh, yeah, Kevin, we had not much time here, but, uh, maybe like almost no time, but is there anything that's happened in the stock market entering the discussion in any of your classes? Um, not, uh, not in mine, but that's, uh, but that's because of what I'm teaching. I, I would imagine that, uh, you know, some of the, uh, accounting cl- accounting and finance classes, uh, are getting them, but I'm not teaching any of those. I'm, right now I'm teaching, uh, supply chain management and a, uh, uh, a graduating student's capstone class. What uh, what are you making of it? It's, it's craziness this week. We're we're, we're talking two and three percent moves intraday, intraday. Um, you know, I I, I haven't I, I haven't been paying close attention. You know, when I'm home, I have a business channel on all day. Uh, I I just haven't been been home much, so I, I get the summaries at the end of the day. Um, I. I you know, I'm interested to see how how this settles into whatever it's going to be for a while because it's not what it's going to be. It's not what it has been. It will, you know, we're not going to stay this volatile for for that long. What we will is we'll be, we'll you know the volatility is going to lead us into something that is okay. This is what's normal for the time being, and I don't know what that's going to be. I don't know if it's a certain pricing level for the uh, market. If it's um, you know. It, it, it's going to be something, and I, I just 
don't have a feeling for what that's going to be. I, I, I agree with you on that. Boy, some of these companies have taken my Tesla's down another eight bucks today. So uh, some of these companies that are absolute, I mean, these are religions for people. They're getting their butt kicked. Uh, well, and, and I think that it makes sense that that's, you know, it, maybe maybe that's the point. Maybe the repricing is on a on a case by case basis, and people are starting to say, "Okay, you really don't, you really can't support that stock price." Whereas you'll have other companies that may not get beaten up so much because they can support whatever their price is. Well, I just uh, the, the people that have uh, have moved over into my section, which is the uh, protected stuff. We've been amazingly busy, but actually been more successful than we should be because of the amount of trades up and down. We actually made money on normal adjustments, which you don't necessarily usually yeah. do. Well, you know, but now consider but I mean, what we discussed earlier. You know, who can pass on inflation? Uh, inflationary? Who can you know pass through their costs uh, and and get away with it? Well, you know, those companies shouldn't be getting hurt as much as other companies that just have to absorb it. Um, because yeah. you know, because they are in a uh, much more competitive situation. Well, you can see and, Home Depot uh, and have to do it. So, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, when you start talking about what's the economic environment in general, and then you have to go down and look company by company and say, what does that mean to these people? I just wish that our buddy uh, Joe Biden, with his fervor now for antitrust, wasn't he the vice president for eight years? If he had brought the same fervor into Obama's first term. There'd be there'd be fifty combinations that wouldn't have happened, and you know what? We'd all be better for it. Now, now, yeah. Is, well, uh, Joe Biden's fervor uh, right now is what everybody write whatever somebody writes down and puts uh, it in front of them. Unfortunately, that's probably true. Kevin, have a nice weekend. Enjoy your games. SP futures down forty two. Nasdaq futures down one twenty one. Again, we were up last night. Right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Something happening here. Hello, North Bay Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. It's Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 37. NASDAQ Futures down 99, 97. 99, 98. We're moving all over the place here. Carl, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Hey, yeah, uh, would you? You know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? Yeah, hey, would you mind, like, two seconds? Because you probably know more about this than me because I know nothing. Mr. Weber uh, was talking about the minimums in football. And, of course, it caused me to do something really stupid and, like, kick up the Bears' salaries. I got f- at least four or five questions on this that you guys probably know. Why is it every time I look at something, Carl, I immediately think of questions? Is, is it, I mean, it was the, uh, it must have been like that as a kid. I'm surprised I wasn't drowned. Uh, there is, I don't see anybody here on the Bear roster that is making the minimum, Eddie. Is it, yeah, so I was looking at that, too, and I actually have a list of every player's salary in the entire NFL. And there's only 41 guys that are classified as making the actual 660,000, which um, I assume that means they are tying in their contract, their signing bonus. Well, so it must no, because it's that's it must be like because you make uh, it one year, you must go up right away or something. And that could be. And then there's also the average guaranteed rate per year, which is like way low. To the in some of them, it's below the league minimum. So, really? for example, like this guy. Uh, I'm just just I'm looking at a random name. Brandon Scherf, he's an offensive lineman for the Washington team. He makes uh eighteen million dollars a year. Uh and his is all guaranteed. So he makes eighteen eighteen a year and is guaranteed as eighteen. But the guy right below him, this Kushan Miller, is a fifty four million dollar contract that makes eighteen million dollar a year, but only eight million dollars a year is guaranteed. And then and and so it's really interesting when you look at everyone's individual salary, some of them Make uh, one million dollars a year, but five hundred fifty thousand of it is guaranteed, and I just don't quite understand it. Well, this this thing has Carl chime in here because you probably across the top. There's base salary, signing bonus, roster bonus, option bonus, workout bonus, and then there's in the bottom there's something called dead cap. But some of these guys, uh, who the hell is Tashan Gibson? He's got no salary, but two hundred fifty grand to, from a. A bonus. I don't remember that guy. Damian Williams, Jesse James. Then you get down into this. Carl, what in God's name is the dead cap? They got the uh, Riley Ridley, one hundred and seventy grand. Uh, Thomas Graham Jr., ninety eight. The uh, dead cap is is money that you owe guys that are no longer on your roster. I believe it says here it's from signing bonuses. They must average them or something. Yeah, exactly. Some guy named Deontay Ruffin, six hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's obviously, wow. but in baseball. If you go to the Cub roster, there's like ten people that are making exactly the league minimum, right? Yeah. So it's like it's a totally different. Yeah, we'd have to we'd have to get Lou on, or maybe one of our uh, Robert Rayola, our old uh, 
sports tax guy on to get into this because it is the NFL does seem to be a lot different than than everyone else. Yeah, I don't know. But Patrick Mahomes, he he has he signed a four hundred fifty million dollar contract that pays him forty five million dollars a year, but only sixty three million of his contract is guaranteed, and so his average guaranteed salary per year is six point three million. Well, so if he were to you know have a, a career ending injury tomorrow. Of that four hundred fifty million dollar contract that that you know the highest paid guy in the history of sports, he's only guaranteed sixty three million bucks. So if he gets hurt halfway through his second year, well, he gets paid for the rest of that year because of your yeah. Hurt, now it. you know, God forbid anything happens to him, and I think they would work out some sort of settlement with him because he's been such a star and so on and so forth. But contractually speaking, they're only obligated to pay him six point three million a year for the duration of his contract. Whoa. Yeah, which is less than a utility guy in baseball. No wonder he's doing. No wonder he's doing commercials. Right, Carl, are you doing commercials? Uh, not yet, that I know of. Well, there you go. So, what's up? Uh, uh, I have to talk a little bit about the the Fed dude and your buddy Rick Santelli the other day. Said, "I'm so tired of listening to words. When's the guy going to do something?" Well, you know, you got to wonder with uh, with what you see in the market over the last few days. I mean, you know, if you look at you know, just just look at the last um, several days uh, since Monday, really, uh, on the ES futures. You know, which is the S and P minis, right? Of course, for those people who don't know what they are, uh, pull up a hourly chart and uh, just take a look at that. You've got you know bouncy bounce, 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 sitting right pretty much where we are right now. Okay, as we're you know as we're talking, and and yet. You take a look at the ten-year treasury, and um, please tell me how you get that the ten-year treasury actually thinks what I'm getting reports on from the mortgage market. How how these things square? Okay, I'll give you an example. I have a friend of mine that I hang out with and drink beer with. That I mean, that's what he does. He writes mortgages all day. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's his job. And from what he's telling me that they're being quoted right now at in the marketplace uh, is, is, you know, historically speaking, thirty-year um, money on a mortgage is typically 100, 150 basis points over the TNX. Okay, that's what's that's been that way for, for some time. Gee, since I started following finance things, you know, when I got to be an adult, maybe even before Carl. Yeah, I mean, it may even go back further than that, but I, but I know it's been that way since, you know, since I start caring about things like a place to live, right? Right. <laughs> well, tell me why then that the TNX is trading a hundred basis points under that level right now. Um, I don't, I don't think that they're going to. I don't think they're going to. They're, they're looking for a way to not do anything, Carl. I mean, that's my my suspicion. Well, so, but so, but see, here's the point, Chief. Somebody, somebody believes. Because, you know, if you write a 30-year mortgage, uh, you typically don't portfolio it anymore. Nobody, you know, I mean, there's a few places that do that in some cases. But for the most part, they all get bundled up and sold, right? Right. So someone has to buy that paper that you wrote. Because otherwise, you get stuck with it. So, all right, when we get to the end of the day, the people that are buying that paper think that the 10-year treasury right now Ought to be trading almost three percent. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say, well, 
I can't I can't argue with you specifically, nor would I want to. But th- you're right. But what I one of the things I say most of the time when you're not here, uh, because we usually have more interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, nobody, if you gave me your dad's money to manage, nobody would put your your dad's money at a one. Well, certainly at one point six, but now we're one point eight three. Nobody would invest that money for one point eight three for the next ten years with an, int- with an inflation rate that's probably ten percent minimum. That, is, that that would be the world's worst trade in the history of mankind, and yet it's there. It's there because if you do something like trying, like I did this week, and trying to go short the TLT, short the bonds, saying these things have to go down, these rates have to go up. The Fed, who's a little bit bigger than me, last time I checked, basically stuck it where the sun don't shine. They are they are yeah, still, yeah. Look at all the people that got carried out on their shields in Japan that tried to do this. Yeah. you know, for thirty years. Last week, the Fed put $80 billion on the balance sheet. So guess what? Yeah. I'm, me and my clients can't really fight that. So people, but that doesn't mean that somebody in the mortgage industry is saying, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not doing 1.8 or 2.5. I, I need, you know, 3.5 or something. I mean, come on. You gotta, I mean, maybe well, they're getting close to four. Well, on, yeah. on, with the no gimmick price is getting close to four. Yeah, so I'm saying, and even that's probably light considering what the inflation number really is, right? Right, but I'm saying that, you know, I mean, because you, you, you can always find somebody that will let you buy down the rate or, you know, I mean, there, you know, between points and buy downs and all that. There's always some way to gain the, you know, the APR, right? So well, so the clean the clean number is what is if I don't, you know, if I, if I just want clean money and none of that nonsense, What what is the number today? Well, I'm thinking part of it, Carl, must be is the Fed is probably, they're being real sneaky, and, and, and you're probably... Even on the show, you well, no, Russell and uh, Russell and Mike would understand what I'm talking about. You're probably the only one who knows that when they say they're going to stop the, the the bond or whatever they call it, the bond, the unusual buying, they can just make that up with the other buying. They're they're not committing to lowering the increase in the money supply from twelve to eight or six like Volcker did. They're not, they're not saying that at all. I mean, he's very careful to never say that. By the way, I, I think he is. I mean, feel free to disagree. Because uh, maybe you'll educate me, but I, he is absolutely. Because I'll back the other day, he went back and saying we're not going to use a balance sheet approach. We're going to use a Fed funds rate approach. Well, there is no funds rate. No banks borrow money back and forth the other place like they used to. They killed that market. So I don't know what the hell he's talking about. But but so he's saying. I mean, I mean right now today, the Fed funds rate is 0.25 percent. And if he cares about inflation, tell me that at this last meeting they couldn't have gone to half of one percent, Carl, to start it off. They're, they're, they are hoping, this is me, and please disagree, hope, hopefully you'll disagree. Uh, they are hoping for, for two CPI numbers that come in a little less bad than the last couple, and they're gonna say, they've turned the corner inflation, they can wait a little longer. I, I, I'm, I absolutely, my heart of hearts think that's what they're doing, and they're gonna try and make it to the election without doing anything. It's not gonna, yeah, but it's not gonna work. I don't think it's gonna work either. Well, I, when I, I'll tell you part of why I know it's not gonna work. Okay, because you know it's it's part of my thing is to keep feelers in various parts of industry, and what I am seeing among the base level supply contracts for all sorts of stuff, various commodities that you know what's on your grocery store. Oh, let's just pick something: ketchup. Yeah. Okay, the base supply contracts for these sorts of staples, the packaging supplies, and things like this. The last set of price increases 
is just starting to show up on the store shelf because those contracts are signed six months in advance or more. So what you're seeing now in the grocery store is what was given to people and shoved down their throat back in October. What I'm, what I'm still getting is that the next round is now starting because now we're in the new year, right? We're in right. January. So, you know, we, we did the last year ones, now we're doing the new year ones. The next round is plus 20% from where we are now. And, it, and for on, most stuff... On average, Chief. Yeah, for most for most stuff, Carl, you wouldn't even... Not to, well, you you might be Daddy Warbucks. I'm not, I mean, we don't really notice if we're going to go in and we're having a party and we pick up the mustard that used to be a buck twenty and now it's a buck forty five. I you know I don't I don't remember the price of mustard two months ago. I just know mustard is not very expensive. But a diff, uh, now, if I have a family and I'm picking up fifteen of those things, it starts to add up, and that's what you're talking right. about. I mean, but, but nobody. I mean, I, I mean, you can you can buy you know Myers ketchup for a buck fifty a bottle. It's going to be a buck eighty, right? Yeah. Well, basically, that's it. And the thing is, is that you know, do you do you see it at the individual shelf? Most people don't catch it. I mean, you catch it big stuff. You catch it in stuff like you know the price of steak, right, right. Or, or a pound of hamburger or whatever, because it just you know it hits you in the face. The other stuff's worse, actually. The little stuff you don't the notice. Stuff is, uh, yeah, the other stuff is much worse. And, and, you know, where you find it is, you get to the checkout tape, you know, you get to the checkout, you go through the, you know, the register at the tape, what was a hundred bucks is now a hundred fifty. Right. Well, absolutely. But you don't, an individual item, and they're even cleverer on cereal, because they just keep lowering the amount of stuff in the box, right? I mean, coffee's no longer a pound, it's what, fourteen and a half pounds? They can do that too, right? Well, a pound of bacon is twelve ounces now. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's been going on now for the last six months. It's, you know, pretty much. I mean, there's there's two or three brands where it's not yet, but essentially all of them. That's you know, that's been the, 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 the what, it, what was it? it was called the the incredible shrinking package. I think back in back in the day when it, when it first, you know when manufacturers first started doing this stuff back in the 1980s as a way to try to you know get people to believe that the prices weren't really skyrocketing. Well, remember this has been been going on for. Remember who was the guy? The guy, my south side. Uh, in 60 Minutes, they used to have the last five minutes of the show, and he, he just died. He was terrific. What the hell was his name? You know what I'm talking about, the old, the old crotchety guy? Where he'd, he'd pull out the, he had the old cans of coffee, and they started out at 16 ounces, and this one was 15 and a half. Oh, and yeah. What was his name? Oh, man. I don't, I don't remember, but I know what you're talking about, yeah. He would, he would do that, and he'd talk about the, the toothpaste, how much smaller the toothpaste tube was. <laughs> he used to be, I mean, he, every once in a while he'd do something like that at, at 60 minutes. They gave him like the last, I gotta remember the guy's name, but he, no matter what, even if you didn't like what they're saying in 60 minutes, I always liked listening to that guy. He was funny. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it becomes kind of a, uh, plus your, your, your transportation to a place. You also see it's, uh, um, it's even bigger if you go to like a Sam's Club or something, you get the, you know, Abendanza size. You realize how much of it is in, is in packaging and in transportation because they don't, they'll, they'll sell you just a, a double sized box of Cheerios for 30% more, right? Right. I mean, and, and just because of what, where the costs really are in this stuff. But didn't one of the, uh, the dollar store just went to a dollar and a quarter across the board? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever did you ever talk to one of those guys that makes that stuff? Because I was when we had a we had this well a while ago. We had a, a dude. We were a real nice guy, but he had diabetes real bad. I, I hope he's still with us. I don't think he is, but he had a really nice broker dealer in uh, in Cleveland. We kept trying to recruit the guy, and he was one of the nicest people. So we go biking this one day, 
along that. Do you ever go to that? There's a, the Akron Trail where the Akron Canal, the canal that goes up uh, from Cleveland to Akron and back down, which it connects the Ohio River and, uh, and uh, Lake Erie. Pretty fascinating. I mean, I think it's older than sin. But anyway, so we meet this African-American dude, nicest guy. He sits down, and he, he was in that business and, and of supplying stuff for these dollar stores. And I go, hey, you, you got you to gotta edu- educate me here, will you? How the hell do you sell something? That you can make money at selling it to somebody who's selling it for a buck. And he goes, oh man, it's, actually it's kind of easy. And he was, well, he had little things of soap or something. And you know, if you specialize stuff, you're only going to use it for one thing. You know, you don't need a gallon of it. And he was talking about, oh, I get, the, I get the cap from Canada and that's like three cents. I get the bottle from Mexico and that's four cents. The label's a penny. The stuff inside is like five cents. It cost me 35 cents to get it there, so I get it to these guys at 55 and they sell it for a buck. I'm like, wow. <laughs> it was fascinating, Carl. But only in America, right? That we, can, that people can do stuff like that. They have like five different suppliers for, for a 50 cent bottle or something. Yeah, it's just, you know, the, the stuff, well, right, one of the things you were talking about in the first, you know, the first hour is this whole thing with, uh, you know, with the fracking and, uh, and, and drilling permits and things like this. And, you know, the folks that happen to have land, somebody shows up and says, hey, a deal survey that we did says that there's oil under your dirt, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, what I would caution people on this time around is that we, we have a lesson from history on this, and that is in the nuclear industry. When when Rickover and, uh, which, by the way, his birthday was the other day, uh, who managed to put together a nuclear power program for the naval business that never had a single accident think about think about that yeah. never never one single sailor lost their life as a result of screwing something up all right and when you're playing with things that are very intolerant of mistakes that's pretty good right? yeah i would say so yeah i would say i would say that's excellent i mean there were you know there were some non-nuclear incidents that happened you know there were people you know drop a you know drop a hunk of steel on some dude's head i mean that happens but the the thing that's interesting about that is that when that originally started after the Manhattan Project and of course you know, World War II and everything, we had a vision, which was largely his, people don't give him credit for it, that included civilian nuclear power along with nuclear weapons, and the premise behind this was a closed fuel cycle, that you would have a power plant that burned uranium, made some plutonium, made a whole bunch of other stuff because that's inherent in what happens when you have a nuclear reactor. A lot of that other stuff was extremely dangerous and would be dangerous for 100,000 years or more. We had no technology known to man and still don't that could reliably keep anything confined and safe for 100,000 years. Okay, never mind that we haven't been around long enough as a nation to even, you know, dream of the idea that we could do that. So... What what they came up with was, okay, we're going to close the fuel cycle. You're going to take this used fuel. It's going to get transported to a plant. They're going to reprocess it. They're going to put all the really nasty stuff back into a new fuel pin along with new fuel. And then we're going to transport that new fuel pin that now has enough fuel in it that it will work back to the reactor. We're going to put that in the reactor, and we're going to burn up all the really evil stuff. And over time, what ends up happening is that that evil stuff gets irradiated in the reactor where it's nice and safe, and it makes energy, and it turns into stuff that is less evil for less period of time. And this, this is a perfectly legitimate physical explanation and expectation of what's going to happen. There's nothing wrong with the design. Jimmy Carter comes into office with a, with a belief 
that this cannot be done safely. Okay, this was one of his core beliefs. But he, he interestingly worked, he worked enough, for if you that go guy. to his presidential library, you will not find a word of this anywhere but in he any worked, of the public exhibits. He worked for Admiral Rickover. He most certainly did. He uh, he knew exactly what he was talking about at a technological level, and he knew exactly where the pain points were in the nuclear fuel cycle. And what he did, by executive order, he shut down fuel reprocessing. Why did he disagree exec- with his... That executive order, by the way, is not on display in his presidential library. I've been there, and I looked for it. Why was he so against what his... Admiral Rickover was his mentor. Why? Well, because, because he, did, he didn't think that at a civilian level, okay, outside of military discipline, he did not believe that at a civilian level we could do this without eventually blowing ourselves up and irradiating the countryside and, and killing you know, millions of Americans. Okay, he, he really believes that. All right. Was so it? He signed an executive order to kill the nuclear industry, the civilian nuclear industry. I, uh, when I was in high school, certainly in college, the guys were all over this, right? And I think the plant was supposed to be in Kentucky, correct? The, the what they call it, the breeder reactor. Well, there were there were several. There was one operating in Monroe, um, Fermi One, which was a liquid metal fast breeder. Uh, Com Edison, Edison operated it, and it was it was power, it was a commercial power reactor. But its primary purpose was part of closing the fuel cycle. But wasn't it the was, it, it got power as a, as a pleasant side effect? By the way, uh, one of the listeners just uh, tweeted in uh, Andy Rooney was the guy in sixty minutes. Ah, got it. Okay, not one of the listeners, one of the contributors, Mr. Jan Flanagan. Uh, what wasn't uh, transporting it from place to place? Didn't that become the big issue? Well, there were a number of things. I mean, obviously, moving the spent fuel if something goes wrong while you're doing it, you, you've got yourself a major problem, right? Yeah, you probably don't want that so, running I mean, by your house on the, train, on the train tracks, but that's where train tracks run. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there were all sorts of, of well, this bad thing could happen if this occurred. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm not making light of the risks, oh, okay, that, because yeah. they're real. But I remember that, that they were saying that this should be a closed loop, and, and, and the stuff that we have real problems with could actually be... Lightened considerably by using one of these breeder reactors, you essentially recycle well, well, stuff. You put you put the stuff back into the reactor and you burn it up. Basically, is what you do. Yeah. Okay. It's the only sane thing to do, unless you can figure out how to get it into the sun and dispose of it that way. So, we anyway. He shut this down, and up until that point, there was an industry, private business, that was putting together and constructing and building and preparing to operate the plants necessary to do this reprocessing. This was, this was I mean, and this was all part of the, the generation of electricity for Americans in the United States. Okay, when he signed that order, all of that investment went up in smoke. The next, the first day of Ronald Reagan's presidency, when he came into office, he signed an EO that revoked Carter's EO. On the very first day, it was one of the, it was one of his zero hour. You know, every president has these zero hour executive orders he's going to do. Well, this was one of his. He did it, and you know what? Today, there is still not one single commercial plant that does this. Well, so can you make a stab at the question I asked earlier? Why, when the people on CNBC was the name of the big guy Sully, he would talk when when price of oil was going down, that the rig count and the back end and the Permian and a, and a couple other spots. We're going from, you know, 500 to 480 to 470. How come now that the price of oil is back up higher than it was back then? We're not going from 
two thirty to two fifty to two eighty to three hundred. Is because it, because the people who got burned, especially when Biden came in and shut down Keystone, do not believe it won't happen again. Well, I, I can understand that. I mean, you well, that's, probably, but that's the reason. But and it, and and here's the and here's the problem with that. Uh, we we shuttered we essentially shuttered our nuclear our civilian nuclear power industry in the United States over this. Yeah, we still have plants, but now all of the nasty stuff is just piling up in spent fuel pools there because we have nowhere to put it. Eventually, and this was Carter's intent, was to eventually force the closure of all of those plants because you'd run out of space. Well, guess what? It's happening. Yeah, now, yeah. we should have gone down a different road for the way that we do nuclear power. We had a pilot plant for it at LRNL here in Tennessee. Uh, it's called a, a liquid fluoride, it's basically a liquid salt reactor. They're conserved further than what we're doing now. The reason we didn't go down that road in the 1950s and 60s is you can't make bombs out of the byproducts. It's the isotopes that they make are unsuitable for weapons. Uh, but the fact remains that what presidents do, single persons, when they take actions like this in areas and have profound impacts that go on 40, 50 years down the road, and we we may very well, I mean, all the screaming that has gone on with, you know, oh my gosh, we're all going to, you know, we're all going to boil to death because of global warming, you got it, you cannot have this. Do you see the, by the way, speaking of which, and fracking and everything else, did you see the latest, there was a, a ScreenFest article that was out yesterday that if you have a natural gas stove in your house that it should be banned because there is a tiny amount of methane leakage when it's not on that ends up in the environment and that is a huge contributor to global warming it can't be near as much as a cow farting well you know what this is this is the this is the pressure campaign though chief that is that is being put out there by a handful of crazies, and it's the, it, if we end up succumbing to this, you know, you're going to wish it was warmer when it isn't. Oh yeah, I would, I would, I would somewhat agree. I don't, but I, I think you know, we, it's funny that we talk about different subjects, all the different uh, co-hosts I have. It's it it turns out to be the exact same subject. This is the exact same uh, discussion I have with Kevin regarding. Why hasn't the normal American people who usually, I'll give you the, the best ever was when I went to the uh, 1970, whenever the hell it was, when the Irish beat West Virginia for the national championship. And we walked right out of the stadium, and there was a guy selling T-shirts with the score of the game on the T-shirt. I mean, we're, we're good at this in America, always traditionally have been, right? And yet you see this supply chain thing, and people are not jumping in with the same fervor and the same quickness you and I when we were younger would have come to expect and I think it is it's some combination of the entrepreneurial spirit not being there because there's not a whole lot of small businesses around anyway there's some combination of they can't get financing uh, there's some combination of maybe they're being prevented from financing by their competitors I don't know but somehow or another we're getting really slow with this and everybody's looking to the government to do stuff we're not Russia. Here the idea is that people do it themselves, and yet we're seeming to make it harder and harder. And I, I can't tie it all together, Carl. What you just said is exactly the same as what Kevin talks about and, and how they're teaching people to be able to do this better, maybe making up for the lack of entrepreneurship that maybe a certain generation might have, uh, not through no fault of their own, by the way. I mean, somehow or another, 
Rock, do you, do you agree we're kind of talking about the same subject? Yeah, I think we are. And it's, and the, you know, we have in, in America, we have done so much to make it so easy. Okay. I mean, it's in, and yet we insulate ourselves from the cost of these things. There's, there's nothing is ever completely free. I mean, anybody that pays any attention to economics knows this. But yet we seem to think that there is. You know, I don't understand where this mentality comes from, and yet we have we have the same thing that goes on in the medical field. We have the same thing that goes on in the energy field. We have the same thing that goes on with you know with all these all these people. I can't tell you how many people on my forum, and and I would love to think that you know that we have uh, you know we're, we're cut above the you know the average guy walking down the street. Of course, you know that's arrogance. Um, who who continually put forward the line? The Fed is never going to actually raise rates. They're never going to do it. It's never going to happen. And the reason they won't do it is because the $150 billion in the first quarter that the government spent would double on interest. Okay, so you go from 600 to to $1, $2 trill. And, and, oh, by the way, they can't, uh, you know, they can't pay that, so it isn't going to happen, and, and the Fed will not do it. Look, okay, um, Carl, let's kick this day after the break. We're a little bit over already. SP Futures is down 6. NASDAQ Futures up 6. This is how quick it moves. This is wild. This is wild, Carl. Did you buy? Did you buy spoons when you came on the show? <laughs> no, not yet. But I, you know, I thought about it. Thought I, I, I was like, oh, do I want to? You know, do I want to play for that bottom? And, and well, it might be. Right. Might by the end of the break, it might be down again. We'll be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. 
Hello and welcome back to Stockton Jackson. I'm Tom Holland, Mr. Weber on the board. I got it here, Maddie, just in time. We just had the PCE number came out, 4.9% year-over-year, biggest since 1983. Uh, and I'm going to say that number is really light, but that would be me. We'll get Carl's opinion in a second. So much stuff happens, like if we're on break, doesn't it? Um, we also had consumer spending down 0.6%. How the hell can the GDP be going up 6.9% when consumer spending is going down? So. These numbers are not matching. Maybe Carl can match them up for us. SP futures down 12. They were just positive for a second. Now we're ducking down again. NASDAQ futures down 22. They were just up 7, I'm going to say a minute ago. So it's been a 30-point move back and forth while we're on break. That's, that's, that's just special. Over in Asia, we've got a mixed, really mixed bag here. Nikkei's up 547 because they were down a bunch last few days. Two, that's 2%. Shanghai, however, down 32. That's, that's uh, 1%. And Hang Seng down 256, that's 1.1%. So a mixed crazy bag there. Europe, however, everybody in the dumper. DAX down 336, 2.2%. FTSE down 116, 1.5. Tech around down 119, 1.7. Yesterday we had the Dow down 7, S&P down 23, NASDAQ down 189. Again this morning we've got Apple still up 474. That's leading the pack to the upside, but virtually everything else in the Dow is down pretty heavy. United Health down 860. Uh, McDonald's down 250. It's up and down the line. Uh, we have bonds, uh, up one, only up one basis point now to 1.82. It was up more earlier. Uh, Bund positive three basis points to minus 0.02. Japan unchanged at uh, 0.17. They were actually up a little bit an hour ago. Uh, oil up a dollar 29, 87.90. My record is saying I don't think it's going to make it to 100. I think my record is wobbling here. Maybe at a buck a day, it'll be there two weeks. Uh, Brent up 135, 90, Uh, natural gas up 26 cents. That's a big move. The 454, that's 6%. That's, that's like massive move of natural gas. Arbob up 4 cents to 256. At gold, uh, whack whack down 8, 860 to 1786. Strong dollar is not working well with gold. Silver up down 17 cents, 2250. Copper down 8 cents, 434. And last and maybe least, Bitcoin up 933 to 36,827. What do you got for us, traffic weather sports? 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, we're still dealing with this lake effect snow this morning, although it seems to have slowed down a little bit compared to what it was uh, earlier this morning and overnight. But we have about uh, four to six inches on the ground right now, which was a su- surprise to many. Uh, and it looks like uh, we could get another inch or two here in the next couple of hours as this uh, winter snow advisory is in effect until noon. Uh, throughout uh, Cook County and Lake County um, in the area, but it's affecting the roadways uh, not on the as far as accidents are concerned. So that's good news. But uh, slow travel times, especially on the Edens and Kennedy and I-290 in both directions. Uh, we have uh, major traffic delays an hour and a half from downtown to O'Hare right now uh, on the Kennedy. Uh, Eisenhower not looking much better. So give yourself plenty of time. Off the expressways, especially in the western suburbs, there's all kinds of accidents and, and spin-outs, but uh, nothing affecting the expressways right now. Down south, for whatever reason, uh, we're not seeing the same uh, travel delays as we are in the western and northern suburbs. So even though there was snow uh, down in the south suburbs in northwest Indiana, uh, they seem to be more prepared for it from a plowing perspective because we're not seeing the same delays on the Ryan I-57 or the Bishop Ford 
as we are on the Stevenson, Eisenhower, Kennedy, and uh, and Eden. So keep that in mind. Weather today, the snow will taper off uh, later on this morning, and then we'll actually see some sunshine this afternoon. Cool temperatures, a high of 25. Right now it's snowy and 24 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 72. Right now it's clear and 54. In sports, the Bulls are back in action tonight down in San Antonio. They'll take on the Spurs at 7.30. Uh, It was announced that DeMar DeRozan will be an all-star starter uh, for the fifth time in his career. Uh, Zach Levine will be an all-star as well, but he'll come off the bench. Suns uh, are back in action tonight as well. They'll host the Timberwolves tonight, 7 p.m. Arizona time. In hockey, the Blackhawks and Coyotes were both off last night. They'll both play tonight. Blackhawks host the Avalanche at 7.30. Coyotes host the Bruins at 7 p.m. Phoenix time. Lastly, college hoops, it was Loyola over SIU, 44-39. And, of course, we talked about this earlier with Kevin, but just to mention it, uh, the Bears, of course, announced their new head coach. Um, Matt Eberflus uh, will uh, take over as the head coach, the Bears' 17th head coach in team history. And he, of course, was the former defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts for the last four seasons. Uh, he'll be announced uh, formally, I believe, today. Chief. The uh, numbers just came out. The PCE, uh, like I said, 4.9% over year over year. Uh, and, and consumer spending was uh, minus 0.6 cents uh, for the month. I don't... How, how, is, how is it that every person has to genuflect to the God of the greatest economy ever when retail sales are down, consumer spending is down? Where, where exactly is it that good, Carl? Well, here's, here's the rather interesting thing. You know, we all, all through the holiday season, uh, if you listen to the uh, people who have only one button on their desk, it's the buy button. Okay, You know who I'm talking about, yeah. right, on the mainstream media sites. And, uh, the TV, cause, you know, they're on cable. Uh, all through the holiday season, we heard the shopper track numbers that this was the strongest Christmas season in the last, you know, 20 years, right? The Delta from the previous year. I heard that, I heard this repeatedly, that this was wonderful. Oh man, a wonderful economy. Everything is fantastic. It's all wonderful. It's all great. It's all this. It's all that. Okay. Um, you know, just, the other day, several days late, interestingly enough, just strategically a couple days late, the port reports out of California came in. And interestingly enough, despite the so-called backlog clearing and the traffic jam so-called clearing, the actual container counts moved through those two ports were down, not up. Really? Now, um, do remember how GDP is computed. Well, it's a consumption. Yep. Plus government, plus net investment, plus net of exports minus imports. Correct. Well, most of the containers that go out of here go out of here empty. Most of the containers that come in here come in here full. Yes, they're, you know, we, we do ship stuff out, but the balance is, you know, is heavy in. Um, there's some people running around claiming there's some that there was some grand conspiracy to delay the numbers because it would change the GDP print. I don't know that I necessarily buy that it's that, you know, that there's, you know, the fingers are in the pie that deeply, okay? 
because frankly it doesn't do you any good. The next report, of course, is going to capture the, the delayed number, right? I mean, it'll, it'll be in the next uh, quarterly GDP number, whether you like it or not. So you're, you're not really changing anything. You're just kind of doing a little time shift dance with it. But this, this DPI number is pretty nasty because when you look at personal income, Okay, so you take personal income, and, and what is the difference? It's, the, it's deflated by the PCE index, right? So personal income uh, gets deflated by to disposable personal income because the uh, fixed costs go up, da-da-da-da. Okay, so you were point three on personal income for December, which, by the way, is, uh, is not really all that strong of a number to begin with. But it's, you know, in a level economy, that's really not a terrible number. It's, you know, three and a half a year, there are maybe four uh, but DPI's neg two, neg point two, um, in chain dollars and chain twenty twelve dollars. Uh, in current dollars, it's zero point two, which sounds kind of you know kind of meh. Right? Except PCE is neg zero point six. So how did we have a wonderful Christmas season? This is December now. This is Christmas. Right. How, how did we have a wonderful Christmas season? When we went from a plus point four in November to a neg six, that's a one point change. Yeah, I don't think we did, and uh, I don't think we did either. And, and you know what? I, you know, go ahead and try to square these numbers together because I can't do it off of this. And then your retail sales number said it was stinky. Well, I'm looking at the PCE, and just on Wikipedia now, there's three prices here. They're looking at percentage of of your basket. Okay. There's a CPI number, which we go through a lot. There's the PCE unadjusted, and there's a PCE adjusted. Right. And, and the part that uh, you and I talked about maybe more than anybody is this constant idea that this medical care is 6% of your basket when we all know that it's not. It's, it should be a right. lot higher. And if you go back 20 years and, and you use the higher number, we've had serious inflation for a long time. Well, according to the CPI... The uh, medical care is 6.2% of your basket. According to the PCE unadjusted, it's 223 which is real close. That's to about what, right. What, to what you're talking about, what percentage of the economy is. But get a load of this. The PCE adjusted is 5%. Right. Uh, now, with the possible exception of the guys that are on TV all the time, name me one person whose medical care per month is less than his apparel. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's laughable. Yeah, it's okay? laughable. And, and the thing is, is that what they you know what they all try to claim is well you know your employer pays for it. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, you know we all know that that's a fiction. Just like you don't pay the other half the FICA tax, right? By the way, it's not necessarily a fiction to some people. I had this massive discussion to my uh, with one of my nephews regarding that very instance, and he's convinced that if if all of a sudden it was free tomorrow, you wouldn't get. Uh, that money in your paycheck, and I'm sure he's. He, I mean, if he did the if he did the actual graphs or the charts, you wouldn't get all of it. You know, so the the, the company would get some of it, but uh, well, you wouldn't get it all, but you'd yeah, get a lot of it. You get a lot of it, and uh, and you know, you know, you know, the person who's kind of who kind of gets screwed in the whole mess, Carl, because I don't know if they make an adjustment. Maybe, you know, maybe they do. I, I don't. Well, you were an employer. I um, did you obviously if you didn't have to pay insurance for anybody. You know, a lot of that, uh, we, you and I could, I don't know what the, the, uh, what the chart, you know, the, the, the slope of the curves would be, but we're going to both say 
you're going to get, uh, uh, you know, you're going to get more in your paycheck. I mean, it's pretty obvious to just about anybody. But let me ask you this: if if somebody comes in and says, uh, "Well, my my wife works for the Secretary of State. I don't need insurance." After you just quoted him eighty five grand a year, you don't immediately say, "Well, let's make it ninety, do you? You can't. Why? Well, all right. So there's all kinds of things that go on um, that that end up getting in the way. I don't know what's changed in this. Okay, and then you know, I, I haven't been running a company now for 20 years, so I mean, it, it, things may have changed. There, there is a series of regulations and laws, many of them tax related, that all go together. And what it is, what it what it ends up being is that no person on your payroll can pay more than half of their actual cost so you lose the top you lose the above the line deductibility no what I'm, what I'm saying is if 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 I'm hiring if I'm hiring your well, well, no no I, I understand what you're saying but here's, here's the problem with it. I know where you're going with that chief and yes you could theoretically try to do that but here's the problem his wife then loses her job you come back up on open enrollment and he enrolls if you cut his salary, you're going to get sued. Okay. All right. So you can't do it, and that's the reason you can't do it. Because what's going to happen is he's going to sue you for medi- for medical discrimination, which is wildly illegal, and has been for a very long time, and you're going to lose. Okay, but I mean, it does seem sort of simple. But if I were to say, Carl, I'm going to pay you a hundred grand plus a, this really good ho- hospitalization, which costs me two grand a month. And you say, "Don't worry, my wife's a judge." I don't judge. need it, right? Yeah, my wife's a judge. I don't need it for me to say, "Okay, you just you just lost the twenty four G." I mean, I I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how it, you. It, 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 the distortions that get put into the system by coupling this together, along with ERISA and some of the other laws that bear on this, and medical discrimination. I mean, there's there are companies right now that are on the wrong side of very serious medical discrimination lawsuits and they're going to find out the hard way that this is when they, when this breaks like it did with tobacco this is going to be probably a bigger legal minefield for these guys you've got you've got firms now that within the first five minutes of an interview are asking whether or not you've taken the, the shots yeah that's illegal well, what used okay, to be that is absolutely illegal. I could not, when I was hiring people, I could not sit there and say and say to somebody in an interview, "Are you planning on getting pregnant?" Oh, right, yeah. Well, oh, good God! I, I mean, I get sued instantly for that. Or are you diabetic? Well, the, the president is profiling his, his new Supreme Court judge. Can you imagine? Well, I, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, think about that one. Only only black women need apply. Yeah. Okay, I mean, if I if I did something like that in an interview, I would have been sued so fast my head would spin. Well, no Irish need apply. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, gee, isn't it funny how you know how a hundred years ago we had signs up that said no coloreds yeah. <laughs> right? through this entrance. You wanted to watch a movie, there were two doors, and, and you know, no no coloreds on this water fountain. Today, it's no whites. Well, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know how you, uh, I, I I'm. I'm on this part where if, if somebody, if, if my t- team of people, which hopefully you'd be on and Maddie would be on, if you came with three three people and said, look, there's three people here, we flip a coin, they're all spectacular potential appointees of the Supreme Court, and one of them happened to be 
an African-American lady, I might say, you know what, I'm going to flip the coin, it's time. But that's not the same as, as what they're doing, is it? I don't think it's even close. No, it's it's not because what they you know what you actually had was you had you had a presidential candidate during the the original debates before he was elected who came out point blank said, "I am appointing a black woman as a Supreme Court justice." Well, he didn't say, "I'll find a qualified," but he's I'm doing this. Well, the weird part is I have a if you're ever in town on a Wednesday, I'll, I'll try to introduce you to the group. They might throw you out. It's a bunch of. Uh, uh, older attorneys and, and judges. So I brought this up uh, with adult beverage the other night, and uh, and one of the guys said, "Well, you know, funny you should mention that. There's an African American lady in the district court, and she's in her late 30s. She's been a judge for a while. She is spectacular. Has all the education. She's by far. I mean, if you ask anybody who the best judge in the system is, she has appeals court. She has she has a future ahead of her. That disguise the, the limit. Every guy said that." So we're yeah. not, you know, we're not this, we're not, we're not trying to push anybody the wrong way. They said no, she should have appeals court, something like that, or higher on her. Fast forward fifteen years, if it doesn't happen to her, something's wrong. You know, I, I well, you know, you know, I'm not, uh, yeah. And, and the thing is, is that I'm not trying to argue that there hasn't been a great deal of that sort of stuff. Oh, sure. You know, over the years, I certainly there has, but you cannot say. That racism is terrible, and we shouldn't have racism. And then, oh, by the way, here's some racism. Yeah, you can't do that. I don't think. I, I mean, you, you just can't do that. And I, and and I mean, I get it. If you you know, if you sift the the candidate pile, uh, the person that bowls up the top gets a job. What's what's the problem with this? But but the the qualifying factor should not be what color is your skin. Well, and I think uh, Lou was saying he he likes the diversity part in the sense that we got to get somebody out of that isn't from Harvard or some other damn place. I mean. You can't have everybody, right. everybody who's, who's, whose dad went to Harvard and got you in there and you were your clerk for Supreme Court. You, that, that's just not America. I mean, I mean, you gotta get somebody else in there. I agree with that. I mean, I don't know. Well, you know, one of the, one of the things that I think is interesting, Chief, is, you know, until this, until this whole COVID thing started, they, they didn't put on live link or, or record it for that matter and release it. The actual oral arguments. All you ever had was the people who were in the room, the, the press members and whatever, that were, you know, were basically taking notes, right? Which justice asked what question, you know, whatever have you. But there was, but there was no video, there's still no video, but there's, there's, that was never audio. The last few that have had audio, you hear some of these things and you go, how is that person, how did that person get on that bench? Well, did you see the one, the one in Boston Legal where, uh, the guy bet, uh, Captain Kirk, uh, the, uh, what, 10,000 bucks that he could get uh, Clarence Thomas to say something? You get that score? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah there's, <laughs> you know, although, although, frankly, the last, uh, you know, the last few that have been on the, you know, on the, uh, squawk box, if you will, uh, Thomas has actually had some fairly, yeah, he's, he's seriously up, questions. he's seriously up his game. Yeah, he's seriously up his game. For a while, I guess, he, the reputation was he never said anything. So. Well, but you know what? Just because he doesn't ask a question doesn't mean he's not thinking. Oh, I, well, Be careful believing those two things are connected. Oh, yeah. Well, but the boss is Lee. Who, who's the guy? Jim, uh, what's, what's the guy's name? The, the, the star of that show it was him and, uh, and, uh, William Shatner. But it was, uh, the guy who was a terrific actor. He was in, uh, play, uh, the other TV show where he was spectacular in that one too. What the hell's his name? Uh, James Spader. And he, he, he says, I'll bet you, Ten grand or a hundred grand, and I can get him to say something. And, and uh, of course, Denny Crane, who's uh, William Shatner, I don't know, whatever. So he gets up there and he said, 
Judge Thomas, would you please put away that Sports Illustrated? <laughs> but anyway, but uh, I, I, you look at where these numbers are moving today with these numbers that just came out. I said the, the, the numbers, the trading numbers, the S and P, and I, I, I and the, the hair is standing up in the back of my neck, Carl. They're trying. We're, we're sneaking back into this. Bad numbers are good because the Fed's not going to do anything. They're, they're going to come out and say. Uh, even though the used car prices have like doubled at the low end, they didn't go up last month. We're okay now, um, and I, I that, that's where they're heading. And you, you I, I, I know it's it's the common chestnut because it's been the way it's been for the last twenty or thirty years, right? I mean, you know, go all the way back to the crash two thousand. What is, you know, what kind of insanity came out of that? And and you know, and it's just been repeated since. Well, can you think of um, any reason why, if if you well, I'll ask you before, before before I start my uh, missive here. What funds rate would you say would be neutral? Just flat ass neutral. You're not expansion. You're not. Everything is going humming along. Everything is going good. What should the five and a half to six? No, I'm, I'm talking about the like the ninety day. Your your, your passbook. Your that kind of net. I'm not talking ten year. I'm talking. Uh, no, I am too. You see, you're saying now, your ninety day rate is that that's that's too high. Yeah, short-term paper, five five to six, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say risk-free rate through the century has been three. Well, that, but that's but that's three plus whatever underlying inflation is. Well, okay, but I'm saying if... But uh, but but, yeah. uh, but inflation is not zero. All right, right. Real inflation. Let me rephrase the question. If there was no inflation, what should the real the real rate of interest be uh, in a, neutrally? Oh, two and a half to three. Yeah, I mean, every, everybody agrees yeah. on that. So now the guy's at point two five. Right. Tell, tell me that he he couldn't have raised it to point five this meeting. That we we got to talk about it in sixty days. What, what's the point? He, he should have put he should have put fifty points on it, fifty basis points on it immediately. Yeah. And, and here's the, and, but here's the thing. Remember that there's so and and this is one of the points that I've made over the years, and nobody everybody hates this one. The you you the element of inflation that we all look at as prices. There's a counterbalance to that, which is which is productivity is driven by technological innovation. Okay, so in other words, we do more with less, right? I mean, that's the definition of productivity: is you do more with less. So as that goes on, that is supposed to inure to the benefit of the general public because it is the general public that actually executes on productivity. You do it. I do it. When you go to your job, you're the one who does it. It isn't some faceless banker that does that. It is the human beings that execute on their position. Okay, yet we consider that to be entirely at the discretion of and for the absorption of large business and government. Right. And it probably isn't, and yet, and yet, you are—you should not be allowed to get away with that. Well, I, I would agree, and uh, I mean, uh, the idea—I've been on and off for over many years. I've been on the show. Say, the last thing you want is a more concentrated uh, supply chain and go into a go to an inflation event again, like we did in the eighties, and it's just what we got right now. Just what we got. Well, yeah, and and, and trying to correct it today is actually, in many ways. Tougher because we've stretched so much of the supply chain into places that we can't pull back quickly. Carl, we wouldn't want that job breaking up these countries now. You and I would not want that job. It's a thankless job. 
even if anybody wanted uh, to. You know, well, I mean, you know, you take the swings and arrows, but uh, it needs to happen, and and it, it's going to happen one way or another. Uh, yeah, it happened kind of late. Hey, have a good weekend, buddy. Um, do, do whatever it is people do down in Tennessee, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Drink beer and watch football. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.